The Tigress does a double lift monologue, and people are not happy about it. Of course, we will talk about it. Uh, the best bot lane in the LCS. It might be early to ask the question, but never too early to ask the question. And TL's biggest problem, uh, there's probably a few on that list that you could point to. TSM, CLG, Cloud9, all starting 2-0 after week one. One and five between the three of them after week two. Episode 112 of the Clown Fiesta podcast with Blue Jay and JNT250. JNT, let's start with Latigris stuff. There was a big Reddit post. Do you want to fill in with some context? Yeah, so I guess the, the monologue is kind of, I feel like it's turned into a bit of a meme now because it always, it's, it kind of originated back in the LEC where Shocks would always do like these monologues towards the end of the regular season or the playoffs, like kind of trying to hone in on one team in particular and sort of generate some sort of storyline about that. And yeah, it, it's kind of become a little bit of a meme, but I think we saw our first really crack at it over here in NA where Latigris whipped up this. I don't even know what you want to call it. I guess let's start off with the first half of it, because I think the first half of it was, I don't think people had a problem with it. I think it was pretty fine. It was primarily just talking about Doublelift's departure from TSM. You know, he arrived at TSM, won multiple titles, departed, went to another team, won multiple titles. And then you kind of saw the crash and burn of TSM sort of end of 2020, early 2021. However, where we get into the more controversial part of things is where sort of the whole double if Reggie situation that was going on kind of in November 2021, uh, the Tigris really put that as the focal point of this whole thing, which uh, mm -hmm. people didn't really take very well, obviously, because, you know, slandering one of your premier organizations in your own league, one, it's not a really good look, but two, talking about and making a, you know, a a whole storyline around stuff that is completely unrelated to the game and has nothing to do with the players on the team, the coaching staff on the team, has only to do with pretty much Reginald, who is, you know, the owner, but I don't think he's, like, acting CEO anymore, or I don't know. I'd have to go refresh my mind about the, like, the results of the investigations that both Riot and TSM externally did, but it, it's just not a good look. In summary, okay, it's just bad. Look, here's the thing. She does a monologue trying to hype up Doublelift playing against TSM again, right? The problem that people have with it is she brought up player abuse as, like, this content piece. Like, hey, remember when our players were getting abused and players were saying that the, the owner of the team is, is abusing players verbally? Yeah. Like, that's not the way you hype up a game. So that's the problem that people have, right? And before we do a deeper dive, I want to acknowledge the positive side or just even acknowledge what they're trying to do, okay? So Latigris, and it's not, the thing is Latigris is the one speaking, so it's all going to fall on her, but the LCS, what they're trying to do is hype up the match. Now, I'm sure there's already people that care about TSM versus Doublelift and Bjergsen already, but the job of the LCS is to make people even more interested in this matchup, so they're going to bring up any drama they can. The problem is that it's really tone-deaf to use player abuse as this content piece and as this tool to hype up the game. That's the problem. And just and that the whole situation, the double if Reginald situation and the player abuse situation, it literally has no context or relevance whatsoever to the right. game that we were actually seeing being played on that day, which was the 100T versus TSM game on Friday. Correct. Really nothing to do with it. The other thing, too, is this was so predictable. I said this as soon as we're watching it live. I said to Andrew, I was like, this is not going to go well. They're going to have to issue an apology, which, by the way, as we're recording this, we haven't seen an apology yet. Maybe they don't do an apology. I don't know. But they did. They had they tweeted the monologue and then they took that down. So they clearly realized something was wrong. Um, so totally predictable. But why is it predictable? Well, for one, 
you're just crapping on one of your LCS partners, right? The TSM is like the most popular brand in the LCS. I understand maybe not as much anymore, but since the inception of the LCS, TSM has hard carried this league and you're kind of crapping on them, even if you could argue Reggie kind of deserves it. It's still not what you do with your partners. There's the current players, like you said, they have nothing to do with this. If you just take one player like Chime, for example, he's sitting there going like, I didn't have anything to do with this. You're just giving them a bunch of reasons to cheer against me, whereas I didn't do anything wrong. And then this is the big one. The big problem is the former players to me. I'm talking the Dyrus, Expecial, Wild Turtle, the players that have those old clips resurfaced without against their will. Like, I'm sure they've accepted that those clips are going to exist forever, right? The ones where they're just getting verbally abused by Reggie. And that's something they have to accept. But I'm sure they would prefer it if the LCS didn't bring it to light every two seconds and make them have to live with it all over again. Because I'm sure if Dyrus goes live, there's someone in his chat going, hey, did you see the LCS brought up the abuse stuff again? And he's probably sitting there going like, dude, let it go. It was forever ago. I just want to forget about it because it's probably a little bit humiliating for some of those players. And that's the big problem with it is the people that were involved with the abuse, even if they're no longer part of the LCS, it looks really, really bad for the LCS to bring up what is, I'm sure, something they don't want to have brought up anymore. Yeah, I mean, this whole situation is just like kind of the saying, like, don't bite the hand that feeds you. You kind of alluded to it early on, but TSM, for the most part, their organization really built the LCS up to what it is right now. We would not have the LCS that we have today without the early season one, two, three TSM versus CLG. We wouldn't have the LCS today as it is if it wasn't, you know, season three to season seven or eight TSM versus C9. We wouldn't have it today if we didn't see, you know, in the early Team Liquid days, like that finals versus TSM in season nine, you know, even TSM coming back, having that miracle run out of 2020. Like you cannot tell the story of the LCS or even the LCS at all without TSM. So it, it's just pretty... It's just a bit appalling to see them shit on them so much. I know that you can kind of see, like, there's a little bit of parallels to, like, traditional sports where you will see, you know, the broadcast or the organization even at sometimes play off its, you know, poor teams. Here, I'll out myself right now. I'm wearing it right now, the New York Jets. They've been fucking ass for the last 10 years in the NFL. And one of the primary things that the broadcasts love to talk about is the quarterbacks of the New York Jets, how they're so bad. And at a certain point, it becomes a thing that fans are kind of okay with. And it, for, it sort of felt like to me that we've reached a point in you know the LCS right now where it is okay and it's fun to shit on TSM. And the LCS was just like, hmm, why don't we just do that? And it's like, well, it, it just feels, as he's kind of said, a bit tone deaf, especially with the, the real drama behind it in terms of the player abuse and whatnot. It, it, just, it just doesn't make any damn sense. I would also say that you can easily hype up this match without bringing that up. Like, just yeah. Doublelift and Bjergsen going up against TSM alone is enough to hype up the matchup. So they took it a little bit too far. And even, okay, the other thing, too, is let's say you, you have no problem with this, because I'm sure there were some people that were like, yeah, maybe it's crossing the line a little bit, but it's not the end of the world. And by the way, if you have that take, I'm okay with that. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I'm okay with that. You would still have to look at the LCS and be like, how stupid are you to not know that there are going to be some people that are upset about this? Like, I don't know if it's 50% of the audience or 25 or 10%, whatever it is, there's going to be a good chunk of your audience that will not be happy with you doing this. So th that's the other thing. Even if you think it's not that big of a deal, you would still have to look at the LCS and go, come on, is there seriously no one involved in this process of content creation uh, saying like, yo, we probably shouldn't do this because 
some amount of people are going to be upset with it. So that that's the other thing that I'm a little bit surprised about is that no one stepped stepped in to be like, yeah, guys, this is in poor taste. Let's not do this. I, I don't know how that got through. Yeah, I, I think it's also like I feel a little bit bad for La Tigress because she's kind of just been put in a bit of an unfair situation where it's literally her job to like it, not not her job, but it's the people who work on the LCS. It's it's their job to hype up matchups and create storylines and create sort of any narratives to make the viewers and the the consumers of the LCS interested in the product. And she's just kind of like, like, don't shoot the messenger here. Like, sure, she's the one who's on screen giving this three and a half minute monologue, but it's, it's not like she just did this out of her own volition. Like, this was something that the LCS production team probably came up with and helped her design and write. So, I, I yeah. you know, I, I assume she's probably getting a bunch of hate because that's just the nature of the LCS at this point. So, but I, I hope that's not the case. Yeah, the problem is that Latagris is going to be the biggest one to take the fall for all of this. Whereas, like, don't get me wrong, she does deserve criticism. She could have been one of those people to be like, yo, this ain't a good idea. The problem is she's not the only one that should be yeah. taking the fall for this. That's the big issue, right? And um, another part of this that bothers me is, like, the LCS so far, mind you, it's only two weeks in, but I thought, like, the LCS broadcast has been so good. Okay, look, they had audio issues. They had to send people home. But as far as the content side of things, I thought they've done such a better job this year so far than they have in years past, and it's kind of all being overshadowed now by one bad monologue. That's another thing that sucks about this, too, is, like, all the good stuff, like mark z doing the he wore the 100 thieves thing and jat was wearing the tsm thing and they pretended like they were the teams after the win or after the loss depending on which person you're like that was hilarious that was so well done and it's like it's all forgotten because all the focus because of a reddit post is all on this situation um which i mean for good reason it was bad but it's just completely discounting all the good that the lcs has done so far this year yeah i mean i guess the last thing that even to mention within this is double if sort of did his like reaction to this on a stream which he posted a video on his youtube channel but didn't really have a lot to say other than that he thought it wasn't it wasn't super necessary to begin with and you know the lcs sometimes can do too much to try to hype up rivalries i put that in air quotes because there are very few rivalries in the lcs like actual true rivalries i know we try to make some up you know, throughout the course of a season or a year to, to sort of try to hype up some of the, the upper echelon teams. But, you know, rivalries in the LCS always come down to, you know, who wins the most or who's playing against each other the most. And yeah. while TSM versus 100 Thieves is an interesting matchup because it's both Doublelift and Bjergsen's former team, at the same time, like, this is not going to be something that lasts longer than probably this weekend because... As, as far as the LCS trajectories are going, 100 Thieves is likely going to be on the rise throughout the entire year. And we knew it from the beginning that TSM wasn't going to be a great team. And, you know, we'll talk about yeah. their performance a little bit later. Last thing I want to get to before we move on is I can acknowledge that, like, Reddit is the... Just because there's a big Reddit post does not mean that, like, the whole community feels that way. Like, Reddit is where people go to complain. So I'd be kind of curious what our listeners think of this. If you guys do want to let us know, like, did this bother you? Did this not bother you at all? Uh, are you in complete agreement with the Reddit post? We'd like to hear from you because I don't think that necessarily everyone that watches the LCS will have the same opinion as the Reddit community. Right, yeah. Reddit's where you go to complain. So, like, mm -hmm. it's no surprise that the opinion on Reddit is is that you know this was that terrible, even though I might agree with that. So one thing that I, I you guys think. one thing that I will say though is something also Dublin noted in his uh, on his stream and in the video that he posted was that that Reddit post had more comments than all of the other post game threads for the LCS on that weekend, which 
just kind of gives a little bit of insight into what people are caring about and are talking about. So while I do agree that you can't just take what Reddit says as the gospel, you know, mm-hmm. it, it obviously was something that was very controversial and talked about, and there were a lot of various opinions on it. So, you know, once yeah. it, well, I, I will reiterate when you said that, you know, don't take what Reddit says as the gospel, but it's clear that a lot of people have thoughts on this and for the most part are disagreeing or, or against the LCS on their, their, their sort of right. side of these things. Yeah, it did reach the top of the league subreddit, which means people care about it, obviously. Yeah. Uh, before we move on, just want to let you new listeners to the podcast know that we are not only available on YouTube. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anything supported by Anchor. So if you're looking for us, uh, you want to download before you go to work, whatever, you can find us on all the podcast platforms. You shouldn't have a hard time finding us. Now, J&T, let's hop in to the weekend. Uh, because I, I guess we're starting with FlyQuest. They're the 2-0 team. Yep. They're the 4-0 team. Oh, yeah. They went 2-0 this weekend. Part They're the they only 4-0, 4-0 team. team. Yes. Last one alive. Uh, so a lot of people had them rank one going into the year. I did not. You did not. Um, I guess one place to start is what stands out as the biggest surprise to you about FlyQuest? Well, I guess here's, here's one thing that, I, once again, I, I don't want to start this off, start the segment off being a bit of a negative Nancy or trying to, put, or trying to insert my bias into any of these scenarios, but uh-huh. I will directly quote something that Medio said this weekend on the co-streams, is that the first two weeks of LCS, the scheduling plays a big factor in where teams are sitting at in the standings. And yep. I'm not trying to discredit FlyQuest by any means. I will say, as a Cloud9 fan, they completely rolled Cloud9. Like, that game was not close. Like, Cloud9 got annihilated, and I can accept that, and that's okay. But what, what the other teams that FlyQuest have played are, like, Golden Guardians, um, Immortals, and Dignitas. Those are their games. games. that they should beat. Yeah, so it's everybody that they should beat, and you know, obviously the marquee matchup is the Cloud9 matchup. But so, you know, well, wh- while I really... do, but I guess sorry to, to get back to your original question, am I surprised that they're four zero? No. Um, do I think that they'll still be the first place team? You know, three, four, five, six, seven weeks from now. Also, no. And I guess one of the things you can point to, I shouldn't say it's a surprise, but it was a big question mark coming into the year was how is Spika going to perform? Because obviously he was an MVP two years ago. And then last year he was on a dumpster fire. And obviously that should have an effect on how you perform as your career goes on, right? Like there's a lot of adversity there. But Speak has been great so far. And I mean, you could definitely point to the Golden Guardians game because he like nearly Flame Horizon um, uh, name. Uh, river <laughs> oh, <laughs> he nearly yeah. flame horizon river but the cloud nine game was the game that really stood out right um his amumu was perfect now you could definitely say that that amumu pick is good into the whole cloud nine team which is true right they had three melees who they have fiora uh fiora, Vi, vice um akali, akali. Dr- jin ash yeah, and then Jin Ash are two pretty immobile AD carries, right? They don't have any dashes, so it's pretty easy to lock them down once you get on top of them. Amumu is great into that team. However, you got to give Speak a credit for always being in the right place at the right time. C9, always an aggressive team. As long as you have Blabber on your team, you're going to be pretty aggro. C9 has not changed in that way for quite some time. And C9 continued to engage fights. Spika was always there, man. Always there to make sure that if C9 wanted to go in with their three melee champions, he hits the R button and they win the fight. So while I can't say the execution from Amumu is difficult to pull off against that Cloud9 
comp. I can say that Spica knew where to be, and that's, I mean, you got to give plenty of credit for that because I think Spica was the biggest reason they pick up that win and get what is obviously their most difficult win of the season going up against the other team that was 3-0 at the time. Yeah, um, I sort of said it right at the beginning of the season when we were doing our power rankings. Um, with Spica on this team, um, I said that he basically needs to play the Xmithy role. And this game against Cloud9 was literally the quintessential Xmithy game where you're in the right place at the right time because that's what Xmithy did pretty much his entire LCS career. He was never known as an aggressive jungler who picked aggressive champions. You know, I know the champion, you know, the meta was different however many seasons ago, but if he were be, if he was playing today, you'd probably never see him on champions like Graves, Nidalee, you know, these hard farmers, these more skill-intensive junglers. He's always going to be playing, you know, Sejuani, Maokai, Jarvan-type duty, and I thought that going into the season, um, if Spika could sort of mimic that play style and play off his lanes really, really well, that was going to be how FlyQuest was going to turn into a top team in this league, and we're kind of seeing exactly that. You know, Spika, he's been sort of more on the supportive type jungle role. We're seeing a lot of Maokai from him. Obviously played a Mumu this game, which was a great pick into the Cloud9 comp. As you pretty much outlined, it's three melees and two immobile, you know, two immobile carries. So what are they really going to do against a Mumu as long as you can set up those team fights well? And you saw that, you know, first, first mid lane gank, right place, right time, Spika's countering. They get the 2-0. That top lane play where they basically send it for the entirety of Vikla. Uh, which was like Cloud9's probably one and only chance back into the game, was try to kill Vikla and do Baron. They literally sent four people top lane, couldn't kill him, Spika rolled up, you know, press QR, and the fight was just over. So yeah. I thought it was a great game from Spika, and the way that FlyQuest is playing these games out is exactly how it should look if they're going to be a top team. Absolutely, and I, I guess we may as well highlight Vikla because he was absolutely popping off on the Silas. But again, I think even for Vikla getting so far ahead, like you mentioned, a big part of that was Spika in their early mid lane gank, right? He landed every single Q, every bandage toss in that game, or in that fight, excuse me. And that's the biggest reason why they came out on top in that fight and started snowballing the game. So um, one of the worries about FlyQuest, and, and about most teams, but specifically about FlyQuest, is... Um, is there going to be any issues with communication, right? Because Vikla, I'm sure his English isn't the greatest, and I'm sure Spika doesn't have the best Korean. So there, there could be some language barriers there, but they didn't seem to have any synergistic issues whatsoever and seemed to play together just fine. So if there, if there aren't going to be any problems there, and there's still no guarantee that everything's fine, but so far there hasn't been any problems between jungle mid duo, that is a very, very good sign for FlyQuest. Not to mention, obviously, Prince got player of the week, uh, he should have got it last week, if you ask me. But regardless, their bot lane's performing well. Impact, solid as rock. Like, everything's looking good on this team. Um, the only worry, I guess, is what you mentioned earlier, is that they haven't been completely tested yet. They had one test, and they passed, right? Yeah, and like I said, the way that they're playing, I expect them to pass the majority of those tests in the future. But it's all about... I, I guess the most interesting thing for me is what this team looks like on a non-bot lane focused team comp where Spika is playing something, you know, aggressive with aggressive solo lanes or something like that. Because I think we all know that this team, based on the four games that we've seen so far, they're going to be, they're going to do well in LCS. But the question is whether or not they're going to be, you know, a playoff team. It's Are they going to be, you know, championship contenders? And for you to be a championship contender, I need, I need you to see succeeding on more than one play style. Because yeah. While, Fair enough. while one play style can carry you to a championship, um, you have to be pretty much perfect at said play style. And usually those teams can kind of fall off the wagon if they 
don't get their preferred picks or don't get their preferred style of game. Yeah. Uh, should we flip over to the C9 part of things? Because it was the same matchup. But let's yeah. more look at it with a C9 perspective. I always like to give you first word as the C9 fan. What are your thoughts there as to per their performance? Yeah, I mean, I guess it was obviously a bit surprising to see them get completely annihilated. But at the same time, it's also not surprising because of the team comps. And, you know, we say on this show tons of times that we're not usually ones to cry, you know, draft gap or, you know, draft was the specific reason why one team won this game. And I'm not saying that's it, played part, it is, though. but it I think it played a sure. pretty big factor into this game. I guess the biggest problem for me on the Cloud9 side of things was why they were so content to just let bot lane be bot lane. They were just so content to stay under their tower the whole game, not fight for early dragons, you know, not really fight for the first Rift Herald in the game. Obviously, they had just lost that mid skirmish, I think, just, you know, one base before that. So they were obviously much weaker going into that first Herald fight and makes sense why they would want to give it. But I guess at a certain point, you know, when we do see Cloud9 at, you know, the top of their game, it's when they're going for these early aggressive plays and, you know, they didn't necessarily go for anything super aggressive in the early, early parts of this game. But once you saw that first play fail mid lane, you could see things unraveling pretty quickly. And, you know, that that is kind of what Cloud9 does because they're not going to be a team in the LCS that's just going to roll over and die and just say like, okay, we're just content to drop every Drake and not fight for anything. And, when you did see Cloud9 try to force and try to go for some fights, you saw exactly what we were talking about with FlyQuest and Spica, where, hey, he's just sitting there, right place, right time. You guys cannot hard engage on my team because I'm just going to get in there with my ulti and shut you guys down. Yeah, I guess the biggest issue is that first double kill that Vikla got. I think I can give a little bit of criticism towards Diplex because, or, or maybe for Blabber for not communicating. The point is, Blabber saw the Amumu there. And so, if... if First of all, Diplex should probably see him as well. And if he doesn't, Blabber should call out that AC. The point is, they should see him. And so Diplex puts himself in a position to get caught out by the Amumu Q. Now, you got to give credit for Spica for landing it. But you shouldn't be giving that opportunity to them. So I think that Diplex could have played it a little bit better. And then as the fight went on, you even saw Blabber flash over the wall and not land anything after that either. So, like, there were some misplays. And that's kind of what put them behind. And then once you're behind, we mentioned how if there was a draft gap like there was they're going to have their troubles clawing back but i would say that the rest of the game i think cloud nine played fairly well as far as what they can do like obviously we mentioned they're going to get you know hard clapped by the amumu but i don't think that means you could just stop making plays or stop trying to make plays and they didn't they didn't try they didn't stop so i i thought as far as what Cloud9 could have done post-draft, I thought they did mostly what they could. The only other little hiccup was Fudge dying solo because he got Cassante queued under tower and he died solo to uh, to impact there. Yeah, that was just a little bit unlucky. You know, while yeah. watching it back on the replay, he's attempting to just Fiora queue the tower, but it prioritizes champions, obviously, as, as the number one. So he thought he wasn't, you know, close enough to Cassante to where his Q was going to hit him and it instead hit the tower, but... He hit a Cassante under tower and then just got kidnapped and died. So, yeah. So I guess all this to say, eh, I don't really think too much less of Cloud9, honestly. If they were going up against FlyQuest again, I would honestly think it's just as likely that each team gets the win. Like, I guess after this game, nothing really changed outside of me thinking that FlyQuest is playing well and C9 is playing well. So I think I feel a lot better about saying these two teams should be towards the top of the standings as the rest of the split carries on. 
I think so as well. Like I said, the only the only thing that was a little bit confusing to me was Cloud9's just willingness to AFK bot lane because that's a lane that they pro they have prominently played around over the last year. So I guess not not to say that that's concerning at all, just a bit puzzling to why it just never even happened at all in the whole game. Like not even one gank was attempted towards bot lane. Yeah. Um. Last question on C9. Did this change? I mean, we said it didn't really change much of what you think about Cloud9, but I saw you put in our notes here about their ceiling. Was there something you wanted to mention about what Cloud9's ceiling is? Uh, has that changed whatsoever for you? Yeah, I guess the, the only reason why I thought this was somewhat relevant is because Cloud9 was one of the few teams at the top of the standings to make minimal changes. Obviously, the only change mm -hmm. they made was uh, getting rid of Jensen and putting Diplex in, and we even heard from Cloud9 and some of their their like content over the offseason season. The only reason they didn't really want to keep Jensen was because he cost too much money. And, you know, with... Well, that's what they said. Well, that's right? what they... I mean, it's it's yeah. probably likely. I mean, we've seen that with a lot of players, you know, in the past two off-seasons, basically, say, like... Or, sorry, organizations say, hey, we couldn't really afford this player, so we couldn't keep them. You know, Impact, that's another name we might get to in the EG section and whatnot. But, you know, I, I guess you look at a team like FlyQuest, and they just beat Cloud9, and they don't even have their full roster. And, like, Ala's still going to come in, and... We talk about, you know, Prince getting player of the week and being one of the best 80 carries in the league. Well, there's a chance that they could be even better. And, you know, you obviously have teams that are slightly below them in 100 Thieves and Evil Geniuses. And those are teams that also made major, you know, roster changes in the offseason. So I guess the only thing to look for with Cloud9 going forward is how much improvement are we going to see from a player like Diplex if he's the only change that's made? And if that's not the case, how is the team improving in other ways to sort of keep Stay one step ahead of the competition. I think their ceiling is mostly the same. I think they could still win the whole split. Um, but I think that's pretty much the case. I, I think most people have looked at all the top five teams um, as pretty much that being the case. Uh, I guess maybe my, my opinion might change on that with FlyQuest, I suppose. But all the other teams that we mentioned, whether it be um, C9, obviously, I still they could definitely win it all. FlyQuest, of course. EG still, yes. 100 Thieves, possibly. Um, and I, th I think C9, their ceiling hasn't really changed for me. Yep, it's about the same for me. Okay, let's go EG now. EG also with the 2-0 week. They beat TSM and Dignitas, however. Uh, maybe not the best opponents to really prove they're back in form. I think we kind of saw a little bit of the same. Jojo Pion kind of running it down still. That didn't really change from week one, did it? Yeah, Jojo's, he's having some fun. You know, these are warm-up games for the later parts of the regular season and playoffs and whatnot. So if you're going to no end at the start of the season, but I'm just saying, if you're going to run it down, run it down in the, in the first two weeks, rather than the last two weeks, do do the reverse summit here. You know what I'm saying? Well, and I guess run it down against the teams that you're probably going to beat regardless. Um, so maybe that's also some copium. Um, I, th there wasn't much to take away from EG this weekend, right? They, I, I guess the takeaways are that they're winning most of their lanes, and that's kind of to be expected, especially with who they went up against. Um, the, the one standout issue to me is their game against TSM. Because they had won their lanes so hard, every fight just went their way, even though every fight started with Jojo Pion getting caught. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, yeah. But we'll say nearly every fight, because I'm not sure if it was 100%, but nearly every fight started with Jojo walking too far forward, and then the fight would break out, but they would just win anyways, because FBI was kind of a monster. I guess I guess that's a good takeaway, right? Because coming into the split, it was FBI is the guy that you will need to see how he integrates into this team, 
because I think he was probably the biggest question mark. His last season with 100 Thieves wasn't his greatest, wasn't terrible, but wasn't the FBI that we have seen. He's been great so far, and he just absolutely shit on all of TSM. I guess the question would be whether he could do it against better teams. Yeah, I think uh, we've seen this sort of new bot lane draft dynamic where people are now opting for the Draven into Lucian as opposed to you know taking a Zeri if it's up or even if it's banned. Um, where sort of if one team takes either Lucian or Nami, the other team takes Draven in response just because Draven is a great laner and obviously pairs well with Nami if they take the Lucian side of things, but also can pair, can pair well with like other engaged supports like Nautilus if they take the Nami first. So I think that you know Draven is definitely an interesting champion that we could see a lot more of in the LCS, especially with some of the better AD carries that we do have. In this case, obviously not, not the greatest example because they just got straight up rolled. And yeah, as uh, Tacticals Draven wasn't that great either, but uh, I we'll think get to that. I want to see. I want to see. You know, I want to see teams like EG, teams like Cloud Nine, teams like FlyQuest, teams like Hunter T. You know, I want to see the those teams see the Draven side of these kinds of matchups that we're seeing now into the Lucian Nami or the mm -hmm. Lucian or Nami, if that makes yeah. sense. I only have one more thing to say about EG, and that's they pretty much won against Dignitas by just cheese ganking jensen level one and then the game was over they made him blow his flash level one yep jojo pyun hit level six on his ear before jensen had his flashback and killed him again and again and that was pretty much the game because all the other lanes were losing they just slowly suffocated them they nearly perfect gamed it and they could if they were uh try harding <laughs> if they were try harding they completely just you know that's a perfect game but yeah. they had a little bit of fun in the base and then they you know a couple of them died and they could have picked up soul but the point is they had that whole game under control so nothing really to worry about uh there one thing that i thought was kind of interesting and they mentioned it on the co-streams was i think they picked the uh they picked the victor into azir correct i'm pretty sure i'm remembering this correctly but they picked victor into you might azir, be right about that and basically medios just straight up said like that is a self counter pick because victor is really uh vulnerable to getting his flash burned pre-level six just being a an immobile control mage and the fact that azir has the access to the streamer shuffle at level six basically makes any jungle gank that you take when the victor doesn't have flash it's basically an insta kill so i thought that was a little bit interesting on the co-streams where they just talked about how picking victor into azir is just a straight up self counter and i guess seeing jensen do that is also just a bit confusing because maybe he just doesn't understand you know the matchup or you know obviously he got a little bit cheese and getting his flash his flash blown level one but i don't know just just a bit weird i thought yeah uh anything else on eg or should we move on uh no that's it okay let's go 100 thieves also 2-0 they had they played against the same team as eg i'm just noticing they beat dignitas and tsm oh really is that is that just i mean i hopefully i didn't write something down incorrectly but uh no i think that's what it was yeah that's what it was i see right here just in the reverse order like you said yeah uh i guess when it comes to 100 thieves this isn't really a surprise but the whole team is based around double lift especially when bjergsen's on zillion right like don't get me wrong there's a lot to talk about when it comes to bjergsen zillion because it's really good i mean it always has been his win rate is insane on it but when you pick the zillion and the lulu support and you put double lift on Zeri, the game's going to be about double lift. 
And obviously, Doublelift looked absolutely amazing. The problem is, is it really is he being tested going up against what are obviously not good teams, right? So, like, I want to get excited because it's like, oh, Doublelift is back. And he's looking like he's playing at his best. But also, I don't know if I can go there just yet, right? Because there's one true test, which was Cloud9. Doublelift didn't look so hot. So... Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's hard to get, like, a real understanding of where Double Up's at because, like you said, the, the only game where they really got tested was their first game, and that was obviously the Azir support game. So how much can you really take away from that? You know, obviously, they won their lane. They went up, like, 15 CS, but the other bot lanes that they faced are Immortals bot lane, Dignitas bot lane, and TSM bot lane, and I think it's pretty fair to say that those are probably the three worst bot lanes in the league. Um, I don't even really have to look at any of the other bot lanes just to know that those are the three worst. So, I mean, double of shitting on them and he's supposed to do that and he's looking really good while doing it. So that's all you can really ask for. And, and the question everyone is going to have moving forward is double if back, right? The double if that we know, is he back? As of right now, I guess <laughs> yes. <Next> week. <laughs> yeah. Who, who does he play next week, actually? Can we pull that up? Not that uh, we have to pull it up on the thing, but... They I play... Don't... I got it right here. They play FlyQuest. TL and FlyQuest. Yeah, TL and FlyQuest. And those two oh, bot lanes are very good at laning. So. Yeah. So I'll go back to my Ask Me Next Week. Hopefully someone can remind me to bring that up next week. Or I'll try mm. to remember. I'll probably forget. But next week is, is a good, hey, we could see if Doublelift is truly back. Because those are really good bot lanes. That's a topic that we'll have a little bit later. But yeah, um, we'll, we'll see next week. I don't really have anything else on 100 Thieves. They stomped bad teams. Go next. Uh, anything else? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we could do like a little bit of analysis, but it was against just absolute shitbox teams. So, yeah, there wasn't really much to. I don't know. Bjergsen's knows how to play Zillion. Uh, I don't. Yeah, nothing more. Yeah, okay, there, 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 there's a reason why this champion gets banned, even when it's nowhere near the meta. And Bjergsen has like a 78% win rate on it across like. How many games? Like 50 or 60 games or something? Did you like... see? So they pulled it up, actually. He has, I think, now he has 31 wins and like eight losses or something like that. I, I can check it right here. He's got... They pulled it up on the broadcast, but I don't remember if it was eight or uh, 31 wins after yeah. that win against whatever. I don't know. I don't know if they were talking about LCS exclusively, but in his entire career, Game of Legends has it as 45 total games with a 76% win rate. I just so. see Tim Diaz in the live chat saying that his hot take is 100T is going to win spring. JNT, any thoughts on that? I don't know if that's a hot take because I think people I might think have... I think it's a little bit of a hot take. I think, I, think I think now it could be a hot take, but I think at the start of the season, I don't think that people would have been surprised if you said that. It's like, um, it's like medium, you know? Like yeah. if there's hot wings and mild wings, it ain't mild, it ain't, it ain't super spicy, it's, it's mid-range. Because like we said earlier, there's a bunch of teams that can win, whether that's... Well, it's a we warm don't need to take. go through the whole list. It's a warm take. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's go TL now. They went 2-0, but like, I don't know about this 2-0, man. There, <laughs> there's some better 2-0s. Um, let's start with what TL's biggest problem is. Uh, I'll give you first word, because I think there's a few of them that I could go with. But you start. Yeah, I mean, I think I know the one that you're going to say. So I'll lead with the obvious one first, and it's Summit. And I don't think that's uh, much of a surprise to many people. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, they did get the 2-0 this week in comparison to the 0-2 last week. But I think that Summit was looking about just as bad as he did this week as he did last week. I think 
obviously had a better game against uh, Golden Guardians where he was playing Aatrox against Licorice's Gragas. But um, Licorice is probably one of the worst players in the league right now. And, you know, mm-hmm. so I- I'm sorry, but there's really not a lot to take away from that win right there. And almost through the game, basically, by giving away his shutdown on this flank TP that he went for, which uh, Ooh, that was a bad one, man, got him one shot and gave away like a 900 gold bounty, I think. To, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was Gory or if it was Stixay, but I thought it was... Maybe, maybe, I don't remember who it was. But he basically gave away 900 gold shutdown, which was brilliant. Yeah, so last week people were talking about Summit because he's running it down. This week people are talking about Summit because he's running it down. Last week there was a little bit of talk about Piotic. This week I saw Harry absolutely running it down, and even Jan as well. Like I think there's four potential problems on this roster which I will remind people, I had this team... Everybody but Core JJ. I predicted them to be number two at the end of the year, or at the end of the split, excuse me. Core JJ is playing great. That's a good sign, because Core JJ didn't have the greatest year last year. He was good, but he wasn't Core JJ good. So that's that's something that's not on fire. But I think there's fires everywhere else on the roster. Jan is just not really respecting where he's stepping. Uh, the game against Immortals, there's a TP right on top of himself. Either he doesn't see it, or doesn't think it's a threat, but it's revenge, Cassante, and he drags him all the way across, you know how he else, and he drags him a mile away, kills him, gives a shutdown, and they start start to throw that game. Fortunately for Team Liquid, they were up against Immortals, so they still got the win. But, like, that's a problem. Or there's the rotation towards mid. He's on the Zaya this time. He walks right up to Gori. Gory combos him, stuns him. Who he is playing the Caitlyn support. He puts a trap down, forces Zaya to use his ulti, and then he 90 caliber nets him. He slows. The point is, he ends up dying there. And so he's just not aware that, like, dude, you can't just walk up like that. You're going to die. Um, Jan, great in lane. Him and Core JJ, one of the best bot lanes we have right now in lane. I'm just worried about Jan afterwards. And then I'm worried about Harry as well. Uh, lots of ints. You could throw him in the same int uh, int basket as Summit. He is dying a lot. Um, so I think it's just post lane is their biggest their biggest issue. Laning phase, everything seems to be going fine. As soon as there is rotations and macro and team fights, everything's on fire and they can't close out a game. Yeah, I guess one thing that I, I don't really know how much information is out there right now about this, but do we know for a fact that this team is speaking all Korean during the game? I don't know that. I, like, I think everybody yes, assumed that, that what, that's what was going to happen, but uh-huh. you know, we were also under the assumption that we knew that Harry and Yon knew how to speak you know, fluent Korean, but you know, did we know? I would imagine their Korean probably still needs some, some practice. I'm sure they're taking lessons. I'm pretty sure all the other TL players are taking English lessons as well. I think both are like, you know... I guess, to... I, I guess my point in even bringing this up is I think that language barriers are often something that you see in the mid and late game more than you see in the early game. And so Fair. if it is a case that there are, you know, you know, like I said, I don't even know if we know what the situation is with regards to if they're all just speaking Korean or if there's any Korean to English going on or if, you know, if it's just purely two people that are speaking Korean, they're going like fast paced Korean and whatnot, you know, so. It's worth asking the question. Yeah. And I guess the other thing, too, to add to that is, like, this team, the promise that they were going to be good was that they were going to outwork everyone. Which, okay, like, if you say you're going to outwork them, I'll take you at your word. But the, the other thing is, too, is, like, outworking someone, the results take a long time to really come through. So 
just because they're not looking so hot after two weeks doesn't mean the plan failed about working everyone. You still got to give team uh, this team time. If they say that they're going to, well, I don't know if it's triple scrim block or whatever, and grind solo queue and champions queue harder than everybody else, sure. It's too early to say that that experiment hasn't worked yet. So that's just the copium angle. But when I look at the problems on this roster, I could see them in mostly everywhere. Just core JJ is the only one that's performing like a beast. Yeah, I mean, it's we still we still need more data on this team. I think you know. Yeah, they're hard stomping all their lanes for yeah. the most part. So that's good. Uh, who's next? CLG. Oh, JNT. Did the faithful? Did the CLG faithful get ahead of themselves? I mean, they usually get ahead of themselves. I think they're, they they're... do, but there's there's different ranges, right? Because like there's some there's, CLG there's, fans. There's that, like... there's Tafokins where you always get upset because like, oh, we don't get the respect they deserve. <laughs> oh, and then man. there's and then there's like the Weldon shit where they went. They were what three and one in their first four games, and I think 2020 summer, and they were like, we're gonna contend with Cloud Nine, who at the time like they had just went almost undefeated the split prior and. At the time, like before they collapsed at the end of 2020 summer, were like 11 and zero or something. So, those were all things I completely forgot about. But those are good points to bring up because they do always complain that we don't ever get any respect, and then they go out and lose to Immortals. So it's well. yeah, like I can't give you any respect when you we literally talked about this team being zero eighteen worthy last week. But the reason you could argue that the CLG faithful didn't take things too far is because there are some CLG fans that their faith is, hey, man, we're just an, a middle-of-the-pack team. We're not seventh. We're not sixth. We're, like, fourth or fifth. And, okay, if that's where you're going with that, fine. But I read the Hotline League takes, and there's people that are like, they're winning spring. They're going to MSI. They're going to Worlds. And it's like, <laughs> no, they're not. They're just not, man. I'm sorry. Like, ah. Uh. They do show some very good signs sometimes. Look at week one. Contracts played great. However, C9 kind of exposed this weekend, hey, we shut down contracts and we shut down this team. Now, it's not the end of the world because they lost to C9. It's the end of the world because they lost to freaking Immortals, man. <laughs> uh, that's where it's like, okay, CLG fans, I love your energy. I love it. I really do. But I don't know, man. Uh, where, where should I start with the Immortals game? Palafox uh, looked awful on Aurelia. Yeah, probably start with Palafox because that was god awful. Yeah, that was dude. Uh, that was that was infinitely worse than Young's Irelia game that we saw in Week One. This young guy who nobody has ever heard of picks Irelia in his second ever stage game and like won his lane and looked pretty good. And you have Palafox over here who's kind of known for his like aggressive melee mid style. Uh, like laning dominant style where he's picking like even like now we know him for like the yone and stuff like but before was doing like silas twisted fate playing super aggro and he just got fucking destroyed like it was disgusting yeah and then the, they're also I, I think it was a zale that pointed out on broadcast there was some miscommunication with palafox and contracts palafox is go they, they're clearly calling for a bot lane dive contracts decides no i'm out and palafox keeps going in he ends up using his ulti and then has to flash out which is like if they were just on the same page, they would have both left or they would have made the dive. Either scenario would have been better. And then immediately Palafox goes back to lane without his ulti and without his flash and dies. And so it's like, I, I want to give credit to Immortals being like, hey, nice gank. But it's also like, dude, that's CLG just trolling, man. Uh, 
even last week Dokla didn't look too good. I'm a little bit worried for CLG if it if it isn't evident. Yeah, he was um, also like the one guy in the whole world right now who didn't look good into the Gwen versus Cassante matchup. Um pretty much yeah. every single other you know, player in the LCS and around the world, we've really been seeing Gwen pop up this past week as like a big counter to Cassante. Basically just going even in lane and outscaling and just kind of has a little bit more safety with the Gwen W and stuff, obviously, even though it's nerfed to when we previously were seeing a bunch of Gwen, but yeah, Doklo was like the one and only guy I've seen in the last week just into his face off in the Gwen versus not into his face off, but just be completely useless in Gwen versus Cassante. Yeah, and, and to their credit, they did almost come back, right? Immortals decides, hey, let's all group up in this little choke, and then Palafox hits the massive uh, Aurelia ulti, and then Gwen is snipping through them all. It's all in that area to where, where Dragon is. They're leaving Dragon or leaving River, and then the only thing is, can be used the Kindred ulti, which some people didn't think it was a good ulti. I thought it wasn't too bad because I think they all get absolutely wiped uh, if he doesn't use that ulti there. And that was their only, like, hey, we made a nice play to almost come back, but it still wasn't enough. Because they had played so poorly earlier on in the game, it just wasn't, they were too far behind. They were just a little bit short on damage to finish off the kills and really start to snowball it. Um, so they almost brought it back, but I mean, you know, horseshoe hand grenades. Uh, yeah. And the other thing too is, it, it sounds like we're so doom and gloom on CLG. I don't think it's we're that pessimistic about them. The only reason why it sounds that way is because People want so hard to believe that this team is a top team, but they're just not. And that's why it feels like worse than it really is. They're not as bad as Immortals despite losing to them. They're not as bad as Golden Guardians and Dig, but they're just not as good as the the other top five, right? The EGs, the C9, so on and so forth. Yeah, that, that's and, the problem. And obviously, it's even a bit of a trickier situation this week to where, like, it's hard to really count the Cloud9 game. And obviously, you know, we'll we'll talk about it a little bit here, but... I mean, that game was, it was honestly just over from the level one. Um, you know, this was, I don't know if Cloud9 just straight up stole this from when Finn did it on Astralis when they were playing against Heretics, I think it was. That was like week one LEC. So I don't know if Cloud9 just stole that directly and used Maybe it in the same exact context. On. But, you know, basically, if you don't know what we're talking about or didn't catch the C9 versus CLG game, um, Contracts is going for a leashless start. He's playing red side. He's going for a leashless start on his top side. And Fudge uh, waits in the... Actually, I don't remember if he waited in the tri brush or if he waited in the Rift Herald slash Baron pit and then queued over. But basically, late invades solo into contracts on the enemy red buff and forces him off the red buff and forces him to flash level one um, and just completely destroys his jungle path. I mean, Blabber, he three buffed him. He, I think he took, I don't know if he took both crabs, but, you know, either just had like a massive CS advantage, you know, not even four or five minutes into the game, um, basically prevented contracts from doing absolutely anything. I think it was like, I forget at what point in the game it was, maybe it was like nine, ten minutes, uh, Blabber had a fully completed Kempuck Chainsword, whereas contracts had a double longsword. So basically it was just down 2,000 gold, you know, ten minutes into the game. So it's really hard to put a lot of weight into the C9 versus CLG game where mm -hmm. basically all it was was the game was basically 5v4. You know, Cloud9 had all their members, one of their members being Blabber with an absurdly inflated amount of gold, running around the map doing whatever the hell that he wants, and Contracts literally can't even do anything. He can't even counter gank. He can't even, like, it probably could never even 3v2 that bot lane um, that entire game. So it's... Ignore that game. Straight up ignore it. It did not count. Mm. It did not happen. 
I might even add that I think Blabber ahead is probably one of the most dangerous players to go against. Probably the, um, I guess, I don't know who else you'd say, but... Uh, inspired. Oh, yeah, uh, I mean, that's true. Prince. Uh, there's, there's a few, but Blabber's definitely up there uh, for guys that you Blabber don't want inspired, to having definitely. gold because he will take over the game, right? Um, so just a little bit of copium there for CLG. And I will also invite CLG fans, if I'm wrong, and if they do bump into the top four or five again, uh, by all means, let me know about it when it happens. I won't be upset. You can call me out. Um, we fully invite being called out when we are just wrong. Yeah, I, I guess uh, the the only last thing that I'll say about that game, even though I said they completely discount it, but super weird that CLG went double enchanter into the double AD of C9 Spotlane. I know that Zven didn't necessarily say that he was frustrated in the interview about the game or on the analyst desk about the game, but basically that they did have bot lane prior the whole game and were able to bush out bot lane for free the whole game, but couldn't really execute any tower dives because, you know, kind of Seraphine's ability to just insta blow up the wave. And I know that Seraphine Karma is like a bit of a niche lane for CLG because CLG was one of the only teams that was picking double enchanter bot lane. Even last year, they were one of the few teams who was playing a lot of Seraphine and Sona and whatnot. And it's something that I thought that CLG, you know, that was a bonus for me on CLG was their ability to play multiple styles of bot lane. But in the meta, literally all we're hearing nowadays is the priority is to get priority in bot lane. And mm -hmm. to basically concede the lane uh, just doesn't make a lot of sense. But, you know, the jungle level one is what really mattered in this game. Not the bot lane picks, but I guess it would have been interesting to see how that game would have played out in a normal game state. Okay, uh, TSM? Yep, the other, fake, the, the, the other, the other fake news team. <laughs> Yeah, I will ask the question. It might be obvious, but did week two performance uh, confirm that they are fraud, JNT250? Yeah, TSM got a bit exposed, I think it's safe to say. They did. Honestly, though, you could probably point to week one as kind of confirming that they were fraudulent. Maybe. Because uh, we kind of called it out after week one when you think about it. Not that we were the only ones to. They didn't look good in week one. They were down in both of their games after week one. They were getting hard stomped early, and that just kind of continued, right? Uh, who did they go up against? I have it here. They went up against EG and 100 Thieves. Teams that should beat them, but like... I don't know. I guess people were really excited after TSM starting 2-0 to think that they're back, but nah. They are more fraudulent than CLG, for sure. 100%. Yeah, I, and I don't think it was necessarily the fact that they lost the games. It was the fact that they got destroyed and weren't in the game at any point. Um, I mm -hmm. know that you, you kind of mentioned it right at the beginning, but they didn't necessarily look great in the early game or have early game leads in the last week. They kind of just scaled up and won, and that's fine, but in you, you play these top teams, and that strategy is just never going to work. You know, you cannot just say we're going to scale against some of the best teams in the league and be perfectly fine with that. I remember, I don't know if it was when we were talking about TSM, but in our episode with Cubby, he brought up how is this team going to win? Was that TSM that he was talking yeah, about? Yeah, that, that was. That's something that really sticks with me now because as the, we see them play more and more, pretty fair question to ask. Um, I guess Boogie had a nice uh, gank against JoJo, but like, who hasn't at this point? <laughs> he had a nice gank. Damn, we're grasping at straws here. It seems. Yeah, we are. We, we are coping. But okay. I mean, other than that, I don't know, man. They dove bot against 100 thieves, and like, Doublelift still had cleanse and flash, so that really wasn't going anywhere. Uh, Maple was too afraid to run through one zillion bomb to escape. He decided to go all the way around them. And obviously, 
closer just ran him down and killed him. He could have just dashed through one zillion bomb. He doesn't get stunned. He just he hides under tower. He lives. Like that was like I'm sure he wants that play back. And there's just some question mark uh, plays TSM is making that makes me wonder how they're going to pick up wins this split. Yeah. Well, one thing that I will say about TSM, good and bad. Good. Maple pick Galio because one Galio is really strong right now. Um, but two, he did. He did Rod of Ages Aftershock. Like, what is that shit, bro? This guy obviously did not watch the Faker VOD this year of him playing Galio, where you go phase rush into either Night Harvester or Protobelt, man. Like, I mean, I wouldn't have known. I mean, I've seen that in the past, but dude, I wouldn't have known. If you're playing Galio right now, you go phase rush, and you first rush, your, you either go Night Harvester or Protobelt. Like, watch the Faker VOD when he played it. It was disgusting. I know it's Faker, but like... If you're going to pick a, a niche champion, you got to do it right. Come on. You heard it here, guys. Just be Faker. I don't have anything else on TSM. They got to build bad. like I Faker. Gonna, I think that's going to continue to happen. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. I'm just kidding, by the way. I well, 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 another thing, I mean, to, to throw a little bit of a bone at TSM, I do like that they are at least experimenting a little bit. Um, you know, if we do want to compare this team to some of the bottom tier teams, I think you have, you know, some bottom tier teams like a Dignitas or Immortals who just kind of play what's standard and just get destroyed and golden guardians and tsm feel like the bottom tier teams that are doing some experimentation um which which i think is good you know we saw gangplank and the Cassante in that tsm versus 100t game because it really felt like the last week not necessarily in the lcs but everywhere around the world is kind of like figuring out what are you picking at the Cassante because it doesn't feel like the jacks matchup is doing it for people or the fiora matchup because the lane can just get super snowbally off of one kill. It feels like that's really what it is in the LCS right now. Is you can play even lane states against Cassante and do you can do well, but if the Cassante gets any momentum, he can basically just roll the game over. And you know we're seeing Gwen pop up, and Gangplank is obviously I think going to become a really strong pick due to the thirteen point one B changes that they did the crit item. So CTSM at least doing some experimentation I think is a good thing. I concur. Uh, do we want to talk about the rest? Yep. We got the, the rest of the squadron at the bottom. I guess the best ones of the bottom tier squad is Immortals. because the they the rest. They, they picked up a win against the LG. They did. And the thing is, for those that didn't listen to our last episode, did we both take the under? Yes. Yeah. JNT came up with a over or under two and a half wins this split. We both went under. Now, there's still a chance that it's under because I do think this team is really, really bad. But one of those wins was not supposed to go against CLG. I'm a little bit disappointed in CLG, man. <laughs> was there anything good? Like, I, I guess, you know what? No, Immortal's top side of the map actually looking pretty good. And I, I, another thing we said before the season started was, let's stop putting Kenvi on Sejuani or Trundle Duty or whatever. Like, let him be put on a carry and he got put on kindred and looked fine mind you he did smite the, he did smite the <laughs> he smited baron after he used his kindred ulti on baron which was probably a little embarrassing yeah that's not how that one works there bud but i think most of that game looked pretty fine yeah and, um, and honestly revenge we also doubted a lot coming into the year and he had another pretty good weekend too so their top side looking good it's just their bot lane is so so bad man they're really really bad yeah they're really bad um I, okay 
I know that this is kind of like not really fair to just bring up CSD, but this is such an incredible number that I have to bring up. Tactical is minus 31 CSD at 15 over four games. Minus 31? Minus 31. That is Dude. the worst I think I've ever heard of. I think that the, is insane. I think the I think I I don't remember who it was, but I want to say a couple years ago there was a top laner that had like a really terrible. It might have been, it might have been Fake God in like 2022 spring had like a negative 20 CST or something like that, but negative 31. That is like now horrendous. let's be a little fair. It's four games, but that that is really really bad. And on the other end, if you want to look at like what the extreme is as to who's got the best, it's Doublelift right now at 19. So at the other end, the extreme is 19, but at this end, the extreme is 31. He's minus 31. I just thought I, that was amazing because we've seen them continuously get stomped in lane. We saw when he was playing the Draven pick and he died level level was it level one? He was level two. He was getting dove really early. He had five CS. By the time he was killed to the enemy, like 20 or something CS. So he was instantly put behind. Yeah. Um, that's why I had to go look up these numbers. Cause I was like, this bot lane is just getting completely trashed every game. Yeah. I guess it's also a little bit surprising to hear that that is the case when he's played Draven two games and Lucian another game, which are like two of the most aggressive 80 carries in the meta right now. And obviously if you're going to get shit on repeatedly, you're, you're going to die and lose CS, but when you're dying on supposed lane bully champions and then you're also down that much cs like that that's just that, that that's a big red flag a big oopsie they also i know i kind of hammered this home when we were talking about clg but they should have lost that game to clg if it weren't for fleshy landing the one nami bubble so when after kenvi smited baron even though it was kindred ulti ulted um unlucky Luger almost completely cleans up that fight. He's going off on Zeri, but Fleshy lands one bubble and like three of them with really low HP all get out. But like if he doesn't land that bubble, they completely get cleaned up and I'm almost 100% certain CLG wins that game. So I guess if you want to say like thumbs up, you give thumbs up to Fleshy for landing a really clutch bubble, question mark? Yeah, it's, I mean, I guess credit to him because I don't think we've, I don't think we've even talked about him a single time up until this exact moment right here. Um, yeah, they got like the other game that they played was the Team Liquid game where we kind of alluded to it a little bit or in the TL segment where TL's just really having a big problem closing out games and, you know, Immortals was getting absolutely annihilated in that game as well up until TL did like a little bit of throwing at like the 20-ish minute mark. But other than that, they got completely annihilated in that game as well. And if it wasn't for Licorice's Dragus performance this week. I think I was about to confidently say that a Blaze Olive is the worst player in the LCS, but I think I'm going to slightly backtrack on that potential statement now and maybe shift it to Licorice. There's a few candidates. There's Tactical, there's a Blaze Olive, there's Licorice, um, there's maybe even River right now. That guy's. I don't think River's that bad. Dude, um, I think he is some doing some question. Issues. Maybe Maybe that is the case, but he is just mechanically doing some very questionable things. I, Olive had the worst week one, but I think overall it's either tactical or licorice. Should we go over to Golden Guardian? Should we talk about them? Yeah, Golden Guardian's up next. You know, you know what I'll say though is, I I don't like talking about. Well, neither one of us like talking about these teams because I mean, let's be honest. Sometimes their games are hard to watch, and sometimes they are hilarious. But I'm gonna try to make them more hilarious now. I I thought this this weekend. I'm gonna start looking at these teams as the Washington Generals. Do you know who that is? JNT? Yes, I do. 
Yeah. Whereas like, the, so for those that don't know, that's just the team that goes up against the Harlem Globetrotters. And like when I watch, when I watch like Licorice, for example, on the Gragas or Tactical on the Draven or any of these things, instead of getting upset, I think I'm just going to try to laugh now. That's what I'm going to try to do. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just funny, honestly. Like it's, it's only just funny. And the, well, and you do feel bad for the player. I'm like the players are not having fun getting absolutely clapped. But like as a viewer, what else are you to do? I want to try to enjoy it. Yeah. Okay. Here, let's let's get to the good. There, there's a singular thing that is good about Golden Guardians, and I think everybody okay. knows who and what that is. And it's Gory. This guy is actually pretty good. Um, he had a couple of ints, but mostly played pretty good this weekend. This guy seems to be pretty good. And yeah. that's obviously going to be a good thing for Golden Guardians because it seems like they're really struggling. Um, one of the w- one of the few areas on this team going into the year that we thought that you know the team was going to be solid at was bot lane, uh, with the pairing of Six A and Huey. And you know we both thought that Six A was pretty underrated for the majority of the time that he's been on Golden Guardians. And at the same time, mm-hmm. I don't know, I can't speak for you here, but for myself, I viewed Huey as the better, the more important person of the. FBI Huey pairing on 100 Thieves. So I thought him coming over to Golden Guardians was going to be great for them. Um, and that bot lane pairing was actually going to be one that one of the few areas of this team that could probably contend with other, you know, playoff like teams. But through four weeks, that has not been the case. I don't think their bot lane was that bad this weekend. I am in agreement with you that they are not living up to the expectation that we had for them. But, like, we saw some nice plays, especially Stixay when he was playing the Varus and he was dodging everything that TL was throwing at him. Remember, like, the Korg- he dodged the hook, and, it, I mean, he eventually died. I guess. I guess yeah. But he had, like, three nice dodges in a row, and they ended up picking up a kill because he kept dodging. Like, and that's a who, nice play. Who he had a good Caitlyn support game, but I guess the only thing that I would say is outside of that game, it's been pretty tragic. Yeah. So, like, there's some good there, right? Like, it's not as devastating as the other bot lane, like Dignitas or Immortals bot lane. It's not that bad. Um, I expect to see a little bit more out of Stix A and who he and I don't think like I don't think the script is written yet as to what we'll see out of them. They they could bounce back still because mm. like I said, in that game they did play fairly well considering they went up against one of the best bot lanes that we have right now in Core JJ and Yon. In lane, that is. Mm-hmm. Uh but Licorice, yeah. Harlem Globetrotters music. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I know. For for I guess for the people that didn't understand that reference whatsoever, the Harlem Globetrotters are basically just like an entertainment basketball team, and you know the Washington Generals are the team that always faces them and is basically just designed to lose. It's just designed for the Harlem Globetrotters to look really, really good. Um, and yeah, I honestly agree with your analogy. This team is kind of like the Washington Generals. Well, I wouldn't you... say the team. I would say like licorice, oh, licorice. Yes, yeah, yeah, li- like yeah. Those those players, but players that like you're just uh, yeah. No, no offense to them, but you've given up on expecting to see some nice plays. It's just not until I see it happening. I'm just they're the Washington Generals. Whenever I see them on my screen, and, and I it... know that sounds like hard flame, but that's just the way I'm going to enjoy the game because they look pretty bad. Yeah, and not not sorry, not even to continue to beat the dead horse here, but. You know, if I did have to pick my worst player, it probably still be would be Licorice. You know, I know that Tactical is there and Blazolov is there, but the thing with those players is at least in the last year, you get like one or two shining moments where this yeah. player just has a good game and carries the game and is the reason why this team is winning a game. And even in Tactical's case, while he's been struggling mightily for the last, you know, a year and one month now, he still would have, you know, decent laning performances. 
and would have those occasional games where he would completely 1v9 in the game. And yeah, sure, we were in like premier 80 carry meta at the beginning of 2022, but Licorice, like there are no bright spots there whatsoever. Like he's bad at laning, he's bad at team fighting, he's bad at uh, positioning, he's bad at like the, his champion pool and champion picks. And, you know, one of the reasons did you say why. Wave management? Did you, did you say that? Nope, but wave add that to the list. Terrible. Add that to the list. Um, you know, I'm going to stop talking because I was about to keep going, but I'm going to stop now. Well, that's how Summit stomped him in lane, right? Was the wave management issue. Yeah. Licorice went up to, he thought he had some business trying to push that wave and he didn't, and died. Um, no business. A little bit of credit to River, though. I, he I'm does not, not know business. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not as cold on River as you are. Um, remember last week I was mentioning like him and, and Licorice seemed to not be on the same page. Like the Wukong would go in and Olaf alt should allow Licorice to follow, but just never did. It's a shame because I, I like River. He's good. Well, I, I, I think that we did see some with, with Gory and with, who was it? Oh, it was with uh, Stixay. He engaged and there was follow-up with those two players. It was the Varus Q out of Stixay and it was the LeBlanc combo. Um, that was well-timed with the Wukong engage on Yan in the one fight. So I was like, okay, clearly River has some synergy with these two guys. He, he couldn't, for some reason, have it with Licorice. I don't know whose fault that is, if it's language barrier, I don't know. But there was some synergy out of the Wukong engages with some follow-up out of those two players that I mentioned. So not all bad. That Poppy yeah. game, though, was something else. I mean, I know where I... And got flashes and then just fell behind. I, I I know that we kind of talked about FlyQuest, so I don't want to bring this point up and talking about mm. like a lot about FlyQuest. But I thought in that FlyQuest versus Golden Guardian games, like I think if Golden Guardians was just strictly a, like a straight up a better team, like anything, you give them anything, they would have won that game. I think that you know if they were Fly... just a little bit better. Yeah, I don't know. Like FlyQuest was just like kind of throwing the game a little bit, and you know I feel like if Golden Guardians was able to take a little bit more control and just was a little bit better as a whole, they would have won that game. But I will say the Golden problem... seems very reactive. Yeah. They're never the first ones to make a play. The kills that they do get is because the other team started a fight. Yeah. And it's an interesting dynamic. I don't know if we necessarily talk about this all the time on our podcast here, but something that we sometimes talk about, like when we're just watching the co-streams or even the co-streams mention, like when you're a bad team or a good team and you're scrimming and practicing all the time and you're just used to playing either from a lead or a deficit, you know, you can't be afraid or, you know, tense up or, you know, revert to old habits or bad habits in those kinds of moments. Like if a team is throwing the game, like you got to take control of the game. Like it's not just like they're throwing and it's like, okay, well, we'll let them throw again. It's like, no, FlyQuest gave you, no pun intended, a golden opportunity to try to win that game after they, they got that like four for one team fight win. Was it? Was it four for one or four for two or? I don't remember. Something like that. But it was where they got the four kills around that, like, topside fight or something, and they just, you know, obviously they're behind, but they didn't do anything after that to sort of try to continue, you know, the snowball or anything. Not, like, the proverbial snowball, not that they were ahead and were snowballing. Yeah. Okay, Dignitas. Last up. Yep. Is that last up? Last yep. up, Dignitas? It is last up, and uh, my <laughs> statement last week will reign true once again. We just ignore this team right now. We just ignore them. They don't count. And can we Washington Generals this team too? Yeah, we, we can. I mean, we'll talk about them obviously, but in, you know, this team is not relevant at all whatsoever. Like, who on this team do we need to cue the Glo Harlem Globetrotters music for? The bot lane. Like, yeah, the bot lane much. is just god awful. Like, okay. it, it's, it's no, 
they're they're terrible, but I wish no ill will towards Spawn or Biofrost. I think Biofrost was probably just thrown into a bad situation. Like I said, I think this was last week. This might have been two weeks ago, but I didn't recall Biofrost being on any team whatsoever and wasn't on Dignitas Academy or their, their Challenger League team. I, I'm sorry, I don't know what the name of the team is, but I am still under the assumption that Biofrost was thrown in as a last-minute replacement because of Ignar's visa problems, so... He probably wasn't expecting to play on this team or play with any of these players, yet he is. And no offense or flame to spawn, but he's just not very good and probably not LCS-worthy at this current moment. I guess I could cope by saying their Week 1 bot lane performance was worse than their Week 2, but it didn't get much better. They were still pretty bad. The other thing, too, is I will say, like, actually, Jat brought this up on, on the broadcast this Week 2 in one of the pregames or whatever. Basically, he said exactly what we said last week. Dignitas couldn't do anything anywhere because their bot lane was losing that hard. And yep. that was the case. I don't think that was the case this week. I think they were all pretty bad. Oh, yeah. Jensen Everybody just continuously died in lane. Uh, maybe you could give Santorin a pass, but he had a couple ints as well. Armut had some troll TPs, two of them, that were just like, there's no business TPing to where he did. Every time he TPed, he would just die or get hard chunked and have to run away. So last week, Mostly on the bot lane. This week, I think everyone can take some of the blame. Yep, I agree. Okay, uh, follow-up. I wanted to get to this after we were done talking about all the teams. J&T, who's the best bot lane in the LCS right now? Because there's a few candidates that I think you could throw out. Well, how about we throw out all the candidates, just so we, we all... Okay, go ahead. Or maybe if we don't have the same candidates, we can make a case or plot against them. I would say the ones that are in contention at the current moment right now is the TL bot lane of Jan and Core JJ, Cloud9 bot lane of Berserker and Sven, and the FlyQuest bot lane of Prince and at the moment Winsome, soon to be Ayla. I would not include the bot lane of Double and Busio or the bot lane of FBI and Vulcan at this current moment. I would throw in the EG bot lane. I think they're in the mix. Okay. Because they've been solid, honestly. FBI, I, I guess I should check the damage charts. I didn't do that. But I'm sure FBI is up there. That guy's putting out a lot of damage right now. So I, I like EG's bot lane being thrown in there. I don't think Cloud9's bot lane has really needed to do much this year. Is that weird? Like, I still would put Berserker up there as one of the best AD carries in the league. If we're just going off what we've seen in week one and two, it doesn't really seem like Cloud9's bot lane has needed to do much. Am I wrong? Uh, I don't think you're wrong, per se. But I think... I just still think they're one of the best bot lanes, just in terms of uh, laning and you know team fighting. Even I think, obviously, I, I, the interesting part of this whole debate and how it boils down is FlyQuest bot lane. Let's be honest here; we're not really counting the bot lane. We're counting the AD carry, which is Prince. You know, <laughs> I think it's kind he of like a, the bot lane. He is, but he's a bit of a one man show right now. For you know. FlyQuest at the moment, I, I shouldn't say he's a one-man show because the, the team is playing well. But in terms of why the team is where they are right now, it, it's Prince and it's about only Prince. So I think, you Impact know... Impact and speaker, come on. Like I said, it's not fully a, a, a one-man show, but it kind of is. But And that's, that's even credit to FlyQuest and credit to Winsome even. You know, I yeah. think that when we talked about Winsome, you know, last year, he was one of the few people that we thought before the whole summit incident, we thought that he was going to be one of the reasons that Cloud9 wasn't going to be a great team because he wasn't 
even he wasn't a notable you know young player had only been playing the game for like a year and a half or something which you know he was he was part of that whole ls thing so you know whatever whatever but yeah um where am i I just got lost in the sauce there for a sec prince is a god i'll take over because i think we're both going with FlyQuest. is that what is that what it is Yes. Are you going with FlyQuest? See, I go with FlyQuest. The only thing is I actually go with EG number two if I had to do like a little mini power ranking. Okay. Because I think EG's bot lane has been sleeper pog. Uh, they're stomping everyone as well. The reason why I don't have CoreJJ and Yon in there, despite how good they are in lane, is because I mentioned earlier how Yon's kind of like post lane. Eh, not exactly sold. I mean, I just mentioned that I don't think Cloud9's bot lane has really had to do much, even though I think their skill level is absolutely there when needed. Just in the first two weeks, we haven't really seen them do too much out of not needing to. And then who am I missing? Oh, Doublelift and Busio. They haven't really been tested. The time that they were tested against Cloud9, Doublelift didn't look so hot. So can't throw them in there yet either. FlyQuest for me, for sure. Yeah, I think it's FlyQuest, and I guess to get back to what I was trying to get into, but this team is going to be even better once they get Ayla back, and obviously... Maybe. Well, I was about to say, obviously we're working under the assumption that Ayla is going to be a similar form to what we saw in his games in the LCS lock-in in 2022, the few games that he did end up playing in the LCS in spring 2022, and the general sentiment that this guy is one of the best um, academy slash challenger league players um, over the last year, year and a half. So yeah. if he is about 75% of everything that he is chalked up to be, FlyQuest bot lane will probably still be the best bot lane in the league. And to get back to my original point, a lot of that has to do with Prince. He's really good. Yeah. And you never know how a player is going to adapt to the LCS, right? Like some, there are some guys that were so pog in Academy and then they went up to the LCS and they're duds. So you know, like maybe, I'm not saying that's what Ayla is, saying maybe it's possible. So. Let's mm -hmm. not get too far ahead of ourselves, but yeah. I think your point stands that this bot lane could, in theory, get better. We, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. I, I guess one thing, just, just if I had to give a miniature power rankings like you just did there, I put Fly 1, I put C9 2, and then I put TL 3, and if I, if I included EG, I'd put them 4. They're probably a close... They're, they're not too far behind the rest of the bot lanes. I guess um, my primary reasoning for putting the other bot lanes ahead of the EG bot lane does have to do with sort of the team dynamic and everything like that in terms of how they function within their team. EG is, you know, not necessarily a bot lane focused team and kind of just is given the ability to do whatever they want to do and is often just playing a 2v2 lane. And um, I always like to point this out, but FBI is always, always, always going weak side on Rift Herald spawns and just naturally gets a very big gold advantage off of that. Um, which he cares so does double if most of the they time. do and and he does a very good job of using those leads and transitioning those leads into the mid and late game and you'll only have to credit him for that but it, it is a bit of a more simpler game plan than other teams potentially okay uh let's do game predictions uh yeah sorry i wasn't Hold ready up. sorry I, I did catch you off guard I, you bad. did like what the hell was that shit <laughs> um they're on the screen right now obviously if you can see on screen right now but i'll read it out as always blue jay is now one game up on me with a record of 15 and 5 i am unfortunately 14 and 6 however i am gonna not i don't know what the correct uh word here is but i cope i i made a strictly for fun pick so we should be tied but we we no. do that all 
What do you mean? I did a four fun pick the week before. I took Immortals. Come on. I mean, I guess that's true, but at the same time, we both thought that both of those teams were terrible. So I think my I took Immortals, man. Yeah, but they were playing against. Who were they playing? They were playing uh, TSM. They were playing You're TSM coping. in week one. I took TSM over Team Liquid. Like, come on. Like, that was strictly for fun. Come on. Okay, yeah. nonetheless. First game, speaking of TSM, on Thursday, TSM versus Cloud9. The OG Cloud9. banger. Yeah, Cloud9. Uh, FlyQuest versus Evil Geniuses. Now, this one is going to be interesting, and I'm going to throw out the caveat right now. Um, if Ayla is not playing, I'm going to take EG. Okay. That's fine. So if Ayla is playing, you're taking FlyQuest? Yeah. I might go the opposite route. They're, they're, I don't know what to think if Ayla's playing. I, well, I'm taking FlyQuest. Yeah. I, I say why that's the reason is because I think that when we did find out about Ayla's visa issues, the FlyQuest team manager or whatever said that he would be back week three at the latest. So I'm assuming that he's going to be back next week. And obviously, okay. you know, it's visa problems. So who knows however the hell long those are going to last. But I think the FlyQuest team manager said that he'd be back around week three, so it's week I just three. think JoJo's a little too shaky. The thing is, I will not be surprised even a little bit if JoJo finally gets his shit together because he's going up against what is the best team in the league at the moment and says, no, that's me, and gets a little more serious and stops getting picked off in random places. But he's still done it too many times for me to pick EG, so I'm going FlyQuest. After that, it's Team Liquid and 100 Thieves. Another, Maybe they'll get another double if monologue. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. This is like, yeah, it's it's Double Lift Revenge Tour Part 2 here, so. If they do a monologue, can they not just go Core JJ, longtime bo- bot lane partner? I mean, that's what lift? it should like, be, yeah. Come on. Uh, who are we picking? Oh, 100 oh, Thieves. I think I'm going to take TL, actually. Okay. I don't know why, but I'm liking it in this matchup. Okay. Um, uh, maybe because Doublelift won't roam so freely against bot lane. Maybe well, I, I think that, and I also think that you know, you know, we want to meme as much about Summit post lane as we do, but Summit will probably just win top versus Tenacity, and you know, I think a lot of this game will probably come down to the jungling. And while I don't think that TL necessarily has the edge in that fact, I think they have the edge in probably the bot lane and the top lane. So I'll give it to TL on those accounts. And let's not forget Bjergsen going up against Team Liquid too. Let's not forget that little narrative. I say little narrative, but I feel narrative. like I'm not gonna lie. If Bjergsen ends up playing like another two or three years or something like that on 100 Thieves, I feel like the one year TL thing is just gonna get erased from history. That's oh, what yeah, I just feel sure. like is gonna but happen. For now, yeah, yeah. For now, though, that's a narrative. He just got off a of TL yeah. off of a huge failure. He needs to show it wasn't my fault, you know? Yeah, well, that's what he said in some interviews. Like, I don't want to be known as the guy who failed TL. I want to be the guy who makes go. 100 Thieves succeed. All right, was it next a Travis up. Travis interview? I don't know. Someone even was mentioning it earlier in the live chat, but. Because I, I watch all those interviews and I don't even remember. No, it, it, it was one of those, like, I think it was one of those, like, written interviews on Inven or one of those kind of sites. Because I, I saw it on Reddit yesterday, but somebody was also okay. mentioning it in the live chat. All right, let's speed run. Yeah, CLG versus Golden Guardians. Go- CLG only because oh, no. they're facing Golden Guardians. Oh my god, I just ah, saw the last match. Okay. Can I do it? What if I do? What is Okay, I'm sorry. I like this might just be unlucky, but what is the scheduling? Who the okay, hell no, wants I'm going, I'm going CLG over Golden Guardians. Ooh. I had to think about it though. Who wants to watch these two matches on Thursday? I Who? do. Okay, sh- like I don't, but I have to. <laughs> Um, yeah, Immortals versus Dignitas. Sorry, you picked CLG or Golden Guardians? I didn't hear. I took CLG. Okay, and then last up, Immortals versus Dignitas. 
Dignitas. I'm going to do it. It's funny. I literally said last week, I don't think I'm going to pick Immortals this entire but season. But you're going to. I think I am, yeah. I'm going to pick Immortals. Honestly, I admit that I'm taking the underdog here with how bad the top side of the map... Like, the top side of the map should be actually Immortals' favorite with what we've seen so far this year. It should be, but, yes. But, I think their bot lane should even be favored because of how awful Dignitas' bot lane is. No, see, I'm going the other way. Oh, <laughs> Dignitas, this is the one time they don't get stomped. They're going up against Tactical and Fleshy. This is the one. This is the one time. The tactical's volatile has... as hell. Like he could just pick Draven and get a double kill and smash the game. He could, but he could also just run it down and be minus thirty-one CS at fifteen. So I'm going Dignitas. Okay. So ba I, so basically, dude, this is a new monkey fight. Right? Basically, like, this entire the... game hinges on if Tactical's going to run it or not. That's what I'm hearing for the both of us. I'm on the side yeah, of Tactical's going to win it, and you're on the side of Tactical's going to lose it. Sure. There we go. Okay. We had a hell of different picks in that. See, I think that game will be fun to watch just because we have different picks. I think it'll only be fun to watch now because we've made it fun right here. So I'll uh, cue up the the music. Anyway, FlyQuest 100 Thieves. Oh my God, FlyQuest is going to have a banger of a week here. Yeah, um, FlyQuest. Yeah, FlyQuest for me. Uh, TSM CLG, CLG. Huh. Ooh, he wants to do it. I do. Then do it. Okay. Yes, I'm... How are they doing it, though? You have to say how TSM's going to beat them. Just one lane. Just one lane where they're going to clap them. Um, Non-troll Maple Galio into some okay. melee Palafox bullshit. Okay. Fair there enough. There you go. Uh, into, like, Aurelia or something? Yeah, good matchup. Okay, good enough. EG versus Cloud9. Cloud9. Yeah, Cloud9. Uh, it's It's close, though. I still, I, I'm confident EG will get there eventually. I had them going 0-2 this week until they clean up their act, and later on they'll 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 get back to. But Cloud9 for now, Dignitas, Team Liquid, Team Liquid. What? You're not going to go with Dignitas again? No, I'm not giving them a 2-0 week. I mean, either I'm going uh, Team Liquid. Immortals, Golden Guardians, Golden Guardians. I'm gonna also admit that I'm gonna pick. Golden Guardians for now, but I'll probably change this depending on the results of Thursday. Just so you have Immortals being... going 2-0, despite the fact that you have... No, I just said, I just said I'm picking Golden Guardians, but I might switch it okay. depending on like if, Golden, if Immortals looks like absolute dog shit against Dignitas. Mm. But if Immortals does go 2-0, which you're at least acknowledging that that is possible... They're going to be over. Our under, <laughs> that goes against our over-under 2.5 wins on the split. Okay, that was a lot longer of predictions than it normally is, but there's no quick news this week, so whatever. You exactly. just know, by the way... Guys, this is one of the frustrating things about doing a podcast, is as soon as we close... Go look on Reddit right now, by the way, JT. As soon as we close the Actually screen and be like, bye, everyone, there's going to be some news that's released or something, and gonna everyone else Twitter is going to be talking well. about it in their podcast, and we're not going to have it in ours. Such a hard life. Yeah, I don't see anything on Twitter right now, at least in just in the top of my feed, so that's clear. I'll check Reddit right see, now real quick. I see Latigris responds regarding TSM and Doublelift monologue 36 minutes ago. Yeah, I just saw that on Reddit. Yeah, let me click on I'd it. I'd like to apologize, blah, blah, blah. Well, I don't know. People can go look at it. Abundantly clear I need to say something? No, I don't think that's the case. I think the LCS should say something. So, yeah, once again, to throw it back to our previous discussion on this topic, she's obviously getting the brunt of it when... That's incorrect, and you know it's all, it's while she's partially at fault, 
the LCS is at fault here. So well, I didn't read it yet, so maybe it was all her. Maybe she's like, "Hey guys, this was my idea, by the way. My B, I don't know. We'll that's, read it." That's actually fair. I'm gonna speed run it, see if I can see. <clears throat> hmm. So now I'm supposed to stall. Yep, yep. Give me, a, give me thirty seconds. On. CFP always like, "Hey, Vampire, live chat, Vampire." I told you, I told you that they were gonna have to. I called it. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people called it, but I called it that they were going to have to apologize. Okay, blah, blah, very blah. interesting part of the statement. It says, this piece was meant to tee up the history between Doubleup and his former team ahead of their first meeting back in the LCS. After someone pitched the topic and the team suggested a monologue would be a fitting structure, I agreed to work on the piece alongside our production team. It went through multiple iterations, and what we landed on was what you saw on the air. Clearly, we missed the mark. So, Ooh. yes, it was it was. All of the LCS. All of the LCS broadcast should be to blame with this situation, not Latigris. And it's unfortunate that she's probably receiving the brunt of this flame and has to, in turn, make a statement on Twitter about it. Swing and a miss. Look, the thing is, and I, we need to acknowledge, like, while, yes, they could do a much better job sometimes, their job is hard, so we can acknowledge that, and we could throw them a bone every once in a while, you know? We give them a... We give him a bean soup award, and then uh, we move on. Okay, that's it for this episode, guys. Uh, we'll be back. What time are we streaming next week? Because Super Bowl's on Sunday. Probably like Bowl? 11 to 12 p.m. We're aiming for around 11 p.m. next week, guys. So uh, It's a Super Bowl, guys. Come do, on. We're going to continue to do episodes on Sunday, though. Definitely seems to be better. So I think we can promise to continue to do episodes Sunday evening. After Super Bowl, we'll have a steady time. There's no more football. JT won't have to miss a Jets game, God forbid. So we'll try to be more regular, and we, we will might have Aaron Rodgers next year. So you know what? Yeah, yeah cope. Uh, we'll have to. Uh, we'll update you guys when we know for sure what the schedule is like. But I think we can say Sunday. So uh, we appreciate all the people that were in the live chat. We appreciate all the people that are liking and subscribing and all that stuff. You guys know how much we appreciate that. We appreciate you all, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. This has been episode 112 of the Clown Fiesta podcast.